Welcome back, podcast listeners. We're here with episode 118. And like usual, we're, we're doing it in two different locations. So, Tony, how are you handling things? Um, I'm handling things exceptionally well. As you know, I don't do lockdown very well. I can be a little bit grumpy uh, with lockdown, but it's, uh, yeah, so it's, <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, even though in saying that, I chose not to go to the office today. I'll turn up tomorrow. So it's uh, working from home today, so which is very rare for me as well. As you know, it's even more rare, unless I'm forced to. So today's probably the first time in about five years I've worked from home without being forced to work from home. Without being forced. But you jumped on the bike, so that's a good thing. Yes, I did. Uh, indoors, uh, but yes, I did. So look, today, um, interesting article that's on our website and, and something that you want to talk about that Willard sent through, but around income and wealth. Yeah, it's a, it's it's um, sometimes a lot of people, and especially in it was interesting. I, I read an article yesterday of the evil of social media, and one of the things on there was uh, that we've got an entire generation of youngsters with mental health issues due to self-esteem yeah. um, through you know the influences and the Instagram photos and all the rest of it. Uh, self-esteem issues but have led into real mental health uh, differences but one of the things that come out of that and it's very prevalent in the US is a lot of people there's this old adage of sort of fake it until you make it and I I think that's shocking Uh, you don't fake it until you make it you know so basically in your head uh, you can say yes I'm going to be doing this and yes I'm going to achieve this and yes I'm going to achieve this but there's so many people who look very wealthy out there who have nothing to their name, no money to their name whatsoever. Yeah. So, and the thing is, is that how many people, you know, youngsters nowadays, or even, you know, not just youngsters, but people who buy things they don't need and end up bankrupt, you know, so it's, um, or just saying, I can't pay my credit card bills off anymore. So it was actually quite interesting. And, and in saying that as well, one of the things that I was watching Insight last night, uh, rarity that I watched TV, but I watched uh, Insight last night and they had a people, uh, bunch of people, how they found retirement, ranging from a young person who decided she's going to retire at age 35 uh, to an older couple uh, who he was 62 and his partner was, all, was 67 and both of them had just retired um, as well. But it's, it's more the fact of how they've coped with retirements and having a whole lot of psychological things taken off them. So, and there was, you know, there was, there was people who were forced out of the workforce, forced to retire, people who had lost money in retirement. So it was, it was a good different, different range, but there's a real difference between wealth and income. And one of the examples I give of that, Jamie, is I called the billion, the billionaire next door. Uh, you know, the people who are extremely wealthy, but to look at them, you'd think they're no different than you and I. Yeah, and I think they, they are similar when you talk about wealth and income and, and one definitely helps you get to the other um, at a faster it does rate. If but... you, it does if you're wise with it. Correct. Yeah, so um, I'll give you an example from yesterday. The young the young lady who was 35, her husband's uh, nine years older than her, uh, but she decided at the age of 21 she was going to retire at the age of 35 and she wanted to retire at the age of 35 on a passive income of $80,000 a year. So one, now bearing in mind that she was with her husband from the age of 21 as well, as I said, who was nine years older. But one of the things that they do is they they live a very... Um, modest uh, heart? 
Yeah, thank you. That was far more polite than probably the word, original word that popped into my head. Boring uh, or something? <laughs> no, no, it was worse than that, actually. So it was a bit of a Scrooge life, but it yeah. was a, but it was um, the, the, the basis of it is, is they save 75% of their income every single month. So as an example, as an example of that, their house uh, has to um, come out of that, their mortgage and, and repayments have to come out of that 25%. They've just had their first child uh, 18 months ago, but the caring for that child has to come out of that 25%. Everything has to come out of that 25% and they save and invest. I didn't like the way she was investing, but they save and invest that 75%. Um, and that's their, that's their goal. So they're, they're sacrificing now to be able to retire early. Now, my my thought process on that was, you know, the first thing that came into my head was it was something Jamie would never do. But it was uh... my, my, comment, my my comment was okay. Well, I live reverse in the the opposite direction of that. Oh, do you save twenty five percent? Do you? Yeah. <laughs> so, that shocked me. Um, yeah. So no, but it's I, I think sometimes that what it does is there's two different school of thoughts where there was. A, another older woman, she was 72, who retired. And she didn't retire with much, um, but she her thought process was, you know, I'm having an awesome time whilst I was young because I'll never live up to, be, to be old. And she's 72 and still kicking on with not much money left anymore and finding it unbelievably difficult to pretty much just live off the age pension um, as a result of that. So there were two vastly different extremes there. So, and I'm not suggesting one is better than the other. Um, but you know, to when I did have a client once who said, um, she might've sworn, but I won't repeat exactly what she said, but she said, I don't know why I'm even saving for retirement because the world is pretty effed up anyway. And I turned around, you know, it's probably all going to end, you know, within the next decade. And I just turned, and she's a lovely person. We get along great together. And I just turned around and said, well, the reason why you've engaged me is just in case it doesn't end in the next decade, you're still going to need some money to live off. And she laughed at that. But it's it's more it's more that case of wealth. There's, uh, there's a vast difference, as we said, between wealth and income. Well, do you want me to give and you the definitions quickly? You give me the definitions because I, I like telling stories. So I've got a couple yeah. of stories to show you well, the difference. So obviously income is a stream of money you're likely um, to receive regularly. So you may earn active income, which we know is a wage, salary, or people these days with a side gig. Um, they seem to be the flavor. But Or you may earn a passive income, as, as you were saying, so such as interest, dividends, you know, investment properties, rent. things like that. Yep. So rent, yep. um, where wealth or net worth is how much you would have left over if you sold everything that you owned and settled all of your debts. Yeah, absolutely. So they're, they're and, the two. and it's quite interesting that uh, there's a number of people who that might be a negative number. Hopefully they're younger people. Uh, you don't want somebody to have kicked along for 20 years and sell everything up and still owe 50 grand. That would be a bit disastrous, but they've got a lot, a lot of nice clothes. Um, but I, I think, Jamie, though, when you when you look at the differences, as, as all our listeners know, because most of them who I'm going to be talking about here, but a lot of people are um, SME owners. And with a lot of your SME owners, they might have 5, 10, 15, 500 employees, but sometimes a lot of their wealth is actually tied up in their business. So as an example of that, they might have a modest house, educated kids, 
um, and take a modest income. So their income might be modest on the scheme of things. Sometimes people, and we do have a culture of envy at times, so it's going all around the world, not just here in Australia, but sometimes people say, oh, that person is so lucky, they must be loaded, they employ 500 people. But geez, sometimes you have a look at their overdraft and when things are tight and that, they're the one first people that don't get paid. So sometimes their incomes are not necessarily reflective um, of the, what they have. But in saying that, the sacrifice that they've actually made all throughout that year is, is that you know, they might end up selling that business for 10, 15, $20 million. And at that stage, then they got wealth. So the difference is, is that with the business, they actually already have wealth but it's what I call unrealized wealth. And it's just turning that unrealized wealth to actually cash in the bank, you could say, from actually selling that business. So, so that's, the, that's one of the differences sometimes for SME owners between wealth and income, et cetera. Uh, so it's, you might not, they might not be having good income or I've seen it with uh, a lot of professionals and that can be doctors, lawyers, financial planners, um, accountants, et cetera. But sometimes you get a lot of professionals who you have very high incomes, but you know, and you you start winding everything up and having a look at it. You know, they've got two beautiful cars, they've got the beach house, they've got the house in uh, Turak, they've got they got etc. 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 And it's it's funny when it comes out uh, of what they do or don't have. It's usually during a divorce, and all of a sudden it's a case of, wow, there's not much money left. Where's that five hundred thousand dollars a year gone? Um, you know, so, but it's, it's, it's a talk I actually gave at Macquarie university to a bunch of graduates going on back 20 years ago now, and they're all uh, graduate professionals. Uh, so doctors, lawyers, and things like that. And I said, one of the things that's going to happen is once upon a time, now bearing in mind it was Macquarie university. So it was in New South Wales. I said, once upon a time, you go to the bar here and you're happy just to have a twoies. But all of a sudden, and you're living on your part-time wage and you've uh, got a hex debt going, but all of a sudden, it's going to be a case of you're going out there in the real world and you're going to get a really good income. And the first thing that's going to happen is the bank's going to say, here's a credit card because you're now a doctor. I've only, uh, just, no, I've only just started drinking white wine again because it reminded me of Fruity Lexia Goon. Uh, <laughs> I've, only my, I've only just got my palate back to where I'm able to have that white wine again. But you're not having Goon, are you? No, I'm having a lot more bit of sand than that. Yeah, that's right. But but I think they, the 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 key part of that though is all of a sudden they get brought in and uh, to this lifestyle where they get that job at you know a really you know well established good large law firm as an example, and they walk in there and all of a sudden their two hundred dollar men's suit warehouse suit uh, to them they don't fit in. They've got that self esteem issue. It's a case of, my God, look at all the suits and shirts and ties and shoes that these guys wear. All of a sudden, the, um, you know, the pair of just the pair of you know, $90 black shoes is not applicable. They now all of a sudden have to go out and spend $400 on a pair of shoes because they just want to fit in. So there's a lot of people who sometimes get caught in that trap and all of a sudden they've reached 30 years old and they still can't afford a mortgage. They're on a good income, still can't afford a mortgage. And, you know, they're lucky they still got super because they're not partners at that age. Um, yeah. But at the same time, though, they've got debt up to their eyeballs. They've got a good income, not a lot of disposable income left at the end of the day. Got a great lifestyle uh, and have all these things that are flashy to try and fit into the culture of where they might work. 
rather than actually having anything set aside. And they still usually got hex debts as well uh, or whatever the debt's called nowadays. So, but the, so all of a sudden it's a case of, well, we potentially want to start a family and buy a house and have a mortgage. And, you know, that's when we get Lucy involved and say, okay, guys, we've got to cut out all your spending here uh, because you can't just have a million dollar mortgage because the bank's not going to give you the money because you've got no ability to repay it right now. No, and that's discussions I've been having with Jess as well. She's obviously in the, the finance space and the broking, but you need to be able to service that debt. That's exactly right. So the bank the bank doesn't just look at saying, okay, we can squeeze you into this loan and hopefully you get a pay rise in the future and hopefully interest rates don't go up. Uh, the bank look at the servicing debt and they look at what your monthly expenditure is and things like that. So, you know, it's 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 having that disposable income every month and, you know, from our perspective, we always say having that disposable income just accumulate in your bank account, you end up spending it um, yeah. on things. Uh, like, uh, But when you've got uh, that disposable income that's actually invested, and as we say, the best way of actually doing investments, so I've just uh, rejigged my uh, NAB equity builder as an example because I found I had money building up in my bank account, which you know, I don't need any more suits, uh, but you, you always <laughs> get flash these things online. They're yeah, so they're laughing about how many suits that you have. We we're explaining that to Vaughn how many is in the cupboard. Yeah, so it's um, I could nearly get through an entire month and not wear a suit twice. So <laughs> it's uh, so it's uh, uh, but in in saying that though, the when it came to that, by doing my Nav Equity Builder again, it now means I've got repayments where 80% of my disposable income per month is going off the repayment. So I'll re so my goal is to repay that over 12 months and then just redo it and redo it because I'm not spending that money. I'm not going on holidays at the moment. Uh, you were supporting regional Victoria, but that aside, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's where I've got that disposable income right now to do that. So I'll be no different than anybody else. If the money just sits in my bank account, I'm tempted to spend it. Yeah. Uh, whereas saving it for this way is actually just building up uh, for other reasons as well, which I'll use that disposable income in the future for other purposes. Yeah. So it's really just about looking at what your current expenses are, your current income is, and really trying to judge what what's needed. You know, I guess I'm a big advocate for not cutting everything out of your life, but there needs to be some responsibility taken to build that overall wealth. I remember you saying to me, Jamie, you know, this adulting thing sucks. You know, all of a sudden I have to pay for insurances and that's what know, I, car that's repayments what and a mortgage and, and now I have to save for a wedding. And, when you become for adult, that's, uh, I think that's the number one thing. You've got to ensure everything in your life. I, I just believe it just ticks over. That's, that's when you know you're adulting. Yeah, I know. It's uh, there's all, all these bills that you never Health thought of insurance. because your parents, you know, so it's um, oh, uh, electricity bill, oh. <laughs> so, heating bills, uh, so, all these things. Yeah, All of a sudden now that uh, the kids have moved out of home and they're having to pay their own bills and things like that, all of a sudden they understand my nagging to them. Can you turn the heater off and stop walking around a singlet and just put a jumper on? You know, so yeah, probably even that's... more so for you growing up in Myrtleford. But this yeah. is the difference is somebody who shows it and somebody who has it, and sometimes that person who shows it also has it. Uh, but, you know, when, when things are just based on debt all the time, you have to be, there's nothing wrong with debt if it's, if it's earning you money uh, but and, and tax effective. But at the same time, it's about actually using your disposable income really well. And as we said, we've got the budgeting, the budgeting uh, queen uh, working with us here, Lucy, 
uh, I know that even one of our colleagues reached when saw the new budgeting tool that she built for us. Uh, he actually reached out and said, "I think I might need to get you to do this for me, Lucy." <laughs> so it's uh, that young fellow's just moved out of home and things like that as well. So it's uh, but it's it is it is that it is that interest though of you know a lot of parents who have been successful in life do want to help their kids out as well. Yeah. Um, so and one of the things that I've always said is. Don't just buy uh, your children a property if they're in that financial if you're in that financial position to do it. Besides, there's a lot of legal aspects around that, like what happens if their relationship breaks up and things like that. But don't just buy them a property. Uh, buy them a property, but give them a mortgage, yeah. so they've actually so they actually have to start repaying parts of it. Or if you're going to give them, you know, fifty thousand dollars, give them fifty thousand dollars, but make them put a fifty thousand dollar investment debt against it and invest it with a view to paying off that $50,000 debt over three years. So say, happy to do this, happy to support you, but you have to have some responsibility as well with it. As, um, and that's, so there's nothing wrong with helping your children, but don't help your children to the point of lethargy in a way where they just don't want to go out and do it themselves. Yeah. Because mum and dad's always provided. Yeah. Tony, thanks heaps for today. I think um, a good message out is give us a call and get on to Lucy if you need help in the area of income. But, you know, I, I think it's our job, our job to help people use income to create wealth. Can I, sorry, Jamie, uh, just before, because I, I know you need to go have lunch, but just before you cut off, <laughs> if that's okay, <laughs> you're wasting away before my eyes here. But just, just in saying that, though, that think of it this way. The 25-year-old who's budgeting for maybe to save money for a house or whatever the case is. Yeah, fine. Not an issue there whatsoever. You got the other extreme though too, someone who's now 67 and retiring. They all of a sudden have to start budgeting as well because they don't have the disposable income coming in anymore. They're now living off passive income. So for budgeting for this, for them can be actually just as, just as harsh, if not more stressful sometimes uh, because that money has to last as well. So budgeting isn't just for the 25-year-old. Sometimes it's also for the person who's about to retire as well. Correct. Yeah. Tony, thanks for your time today. Enjoy lunch, Jamie. Sorry to hold you up. That's it, <laughs> The Coffin Bond Podcast is a product from Coffin Bond & Co, which we are an authorised representative of Can Financial. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of the Coffin Bond Podcast are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decision, you should read the product disclosure statement and if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from the podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Kofkin Bond website, or you can find resources on the ASIC website and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Kofkin Bond and Co. and the hosts of the Kofkin Bond podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of the country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.